Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Foss Corporation, LLC. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Terry's Mysterious Moments. This is season six, so sit back and enjoy. Listen to some stories of the weird, of the odd, of the strange and unusual some ghost stories, some cryptid stories, some just strange stuff. Again, welcome to Season 6. Enjoy! Greetings, my Mysterians. This is another episode of Terry's Mysterious Moments with me, your host, Terry from Texas. I want to talk about a few things this, this, uh, this episode. Starting with the rod phenomena. Back several years ago, there was a phenomena which blew up in the paranormal community, rods. People were noticing strange little critters in videos they'd filmed with oblong bodies with what appeared to be either multiple sets of wings or body length membranes due to the apparent flapping motion visible. These rods would fly in fairly straight lines, but would also curve in flight. And they also seemed to be extremely fast, often described as being like missiles or rockets. These critters were being labeled as living creatures or or interdimensional creatures or military experiments or something so totally out of the possibilities of human understanding. And it began to get somewhat frightening to onlookers of the story. In cryptozoology and ufology, rods, also known as skyfish, air rods, or solar entities, are elongated visual artifacts appearing in photographic images and video recordings. Some paranormal proponents claim them to be extraterrestrial life forms or extra-dimensional creatures or very small UFOs. Can you imagine the very little green men coming out of them? However, these artifacts appear naturally in video and outdoor photography as a result of an optical illusion due to motion blur, especially an interlaced video recording, and are typically after-image trails of flying insects and their wing beats. Robert Todd Carroll in 2003, having consulted an entomologist, identified rods as images of flying insects recorded over several cycles of wing beating on video recording devices. The insect captured on image a number of times while propelling itself forward gives the illusion of a single elongated rod-like body with bulges. The straight dope columnist Cecil Adams in 2020 also explained rods as such phenomena, namely tricks of light which result from how 
primarily video images, of flying insects are recorded and played back. Adding that investigators have shown the rod-like bodies as resulting from motion blur if the camera is shooting with relatively long exposure times. The claims of these being extraordinary creatures, possibly alien, have been advanced by either people with active imaginations or hoaxers. In August of 2005, China Central Television aired a two-part documentary about flying rods in China. It reported the events from May to June of the same year at a pharmaceutical company in Tongwa City, Jilin Province, which debunked the flying rods. Surveillance cameras in the facility's compound captured video footage of flying rods exactly to those shown in a man named Jose Escamilla's videos. Getting no satisfactory answer to the phenomenon, curious scientists at the facility decided that they would try to solve the mystery by attempting to catch these airborne creatures. Huge nets were set up and the same surveillance cameras then captured images of rods flying into the trap. When the nets were inspected, the rods were no more than regular moths and other flying insects. Subsequent investigations proved that the appearance of flying rods on video was an optical illusion created by the slower recording speed of the camera. After attending a lecture by Jose Escamilla, UFO investigator Robert Schaefer wrote that some of his rods were obviously insects zipping across the field at a high angular rate, and others appeared to be appendages which were bird's wings blurred by the camera's exposure. Various paranormal interpretations of this phenomenon appeared and still appear in popular culture. One of the more outspoken proponents of rods as alien life forms was the late Jose Escamilla, who claimed to have been the first to film them on March 19, 1994 in Roswell, New Mexico, while attempting to film a UFO. Now a little aside here, it's my opinion that if you're out looking for UFOs, you'll find them. They may not actually be from outer space, from other dimensions, but you'll find UFOs. Escamilla later made additional videos and embarked on lecture tours to promote his claims, therefore getting his 15 minutes of fame. Another strange flying thing is orbs. You know what an orb is? You've seen pictures with like light bubbles on them, they can cause quite a stir among the paranormal groups, very similar to the old Miller Lite beer commercials, where the argument comes down to taste great on one side and less filling on the other. In this case, and for our purposes here, I'll make the argument spirit beings as opposed to bugs or dust. For instance, in the TV show Ghost Hunters, there's not much importance, and I'll clarify that by saying, although that's not always been the case, placed on orbs floating through a scene, even when they exhibit intelligent control 
in their motions. They are almost dismissed wholly by the investigators. There is nothing wrong with this viewpoint as many of the places investigated are dusty, dirty, foul aired places. It makes sense then that there would be dust and bugs floating or flying around. On the other side of this coin is the show Ghost Adventures, where anytime an orb is spotted on camera, there is an accompanying belief that it is evidence of either an earthbound spirit or sometimes perhaps a non-human entity which is aiming to, if not guide the investigator in some way, then possibly possess the investigator. Again, it's a difference, I believe, in the basic belief systems of the two paranormal teams. One searches for ghosts and or spiritual beings, while the other searches for ghosts but inevitably uncovers demonic activity. These divergent beliefs views and forms of attack, if you will, show the various facets of the paranormal field and even more down to where the rubber meets the road, paranormal investigations. In photography, there is a thing called backscatter, also called near camera reflection. Whereas if something is between your subject and the camera and it goes in front of the lens, it may reflect flash or infrared or whatever and show up as something unusual, a different color perhaps, flying across the picture. It's an optical phenomenon resulting in typically circular artifacts on an image due to the camera's flash being reflected from unfocused motes of dust, water droplets, or other particles in the air or water. It is especially common with modern compact and ultra compact digital cameras. Caused by the backscatter of light by unfocused particles, these artifacts are also sometimes called orbs, referring to a common paranormal claim. Some even appear with trails, which suggest motion. Backscatter commonly occurs in low light scenes when the camera's flash is used. Cases include nighttime and underwater photography when a bright light source and reflective unfocused particles are near the camera. Light appears much brighter very near the source due to the inverse square law, which I have no idea what the inverse square law is, and it says light intensity is inversely proportional to the square of the distance from the source. I hate math. Even if it's a scientific theory, I hate scientific theory. The artifact can result from the backscatter or retro reflection of the light from airborne solid particles such as dust or pollen or liquid droplets, especially rain or mist. They can also be caused by foreign material within the camera lens. The image artifacts usually appear as either white or semi-transparent circles, although may also occur with whole or partial color spectra, purple fringing, or other chromatic aberration. With rain droplets, an image may capture light, passing through the droplet creating a small rainbow effect. Fujifilm describes the artifacts as a common photographic problem. There will always be a certain amount of dust floating around in the air. 
you may have noticed this at the movies, when you look up at the light coming from the movie projector and notice the bright sparks floating around in the beam. In the same way, there are always dust particles floating around nearby when you take pictures with your camera. When you use the flash, the light from the flash reflects off the dust particles and is sometimes captured in your shot. Of course, dust particles very close to the camera are blurred since they're not in focus. But because they reflect the light more strongly than the more distant main subject of the shot, that reflected light can sometimes be captured by the camera and recorded on the resulting image as round white spots. So these dots are the blurred images of dust particles. Now, to be fair, many paranormal investigations, their cameras do not use white light when filming during the investigations, but they rather use IR or infrared light, which gives them a rather ghostly coloring during filming. Even this invisible light picks up orbs during filming, maybe even more so than white light, it would seem. Some ghost hunters have claimed that orb-shaped visual artifacts appearing in photographs are spirits of the dead. Others have claimed that orbs are an unknown sort of being based partly on perceived intent in the orb's movements. Prominent paranormal investigators such as Joe Nickel have agreed with skeptic debunkers' assessments that orbs result from natural phenomena like, as we've said, insects, dust, pollen, or water. I personally have taken pictures in which orbs appear, but most of the time these pictures were taken on purpose to catch orbs, and usually they are taken in atmospheric conditions which lend themselves to be fraught with orbs. Nights of great humidity, rainy conditions, snowy situations. So if you are in a long, unused building, there's a great possibility that you will stir up some, if not a great deal of dust, just by walking. And if you are filming or shooting pictures, you're gonna get some orbish things showing up that are probably not evidence of the recently deceased. The Tic Tac and Gimbal videos released by the U.S. Navy showing strange little items seemingly flying, stopping, turning, and then supposedly speeding away give some pause. As for me, I believe there may be a perfectly natural answer to the question of what are these things? I have a couple of problems with these videos. Why are they only in what seems to be infrared spectrums? Why wasn't an attempt to film them in white light? Could it be that this is a hoax perpetrated by bored military personnel? I think it's a possibility. But this is my own personal opinion. You are certainly entitled to believe that they are interdimensional or interplanetary or intergalactic craft. Is Mount Shasta an interdimensional portal or home to the Lemurians? Why do people go missing on Mount Shasta or in its environs? Mount Shasta is a potentially active volcano at the southern end of the Cascade Range in Siskiyou County in California. 
at an elevation of 14,179 feet. It's the second highest peak in the Cascades and the fifth highest in the state. Mount Shasta has an estimated volume of 85 cubic miles, which makes it the most voluminous stratovolcano in the Cascade Volcanic Arc. The mountain and surrounding area are part of the Shasta Trinity National Forest. The oldest known human settlement in the area dates to about 7,000 years ago. At the time of Euro-American contact in the 1820s, the Native American tribes who lived within view of Mount Shasta included the Shasta, the Oquanichu, the Modoc, the Achomawi, Atsugewi, the Karuk, the Klamath, the Wintu, and Yana tribes. And I'm sorry if I mispronounced any of those. A historic eruption of Mount Shasta in 1786 may have been in, observed by La Perouse, but this is disputed. Smithsonian Institution's Global Volcanism Program states that the 1786 is discredited and that the last known eruption of Mount Shasta was around 1250 AD, proved by uncorrected radiocarbon dating. Although first seen by Spanish explorers, the first reliably reported land sighting of Mount Shasta by a European or American was Peter Skane Ogden, a leader of a Hudson's Bay Company trapping brigade in 1826. The name Sasti or Sastis was given to nearby Mount McLaughlin by Ogden. An 1839 map by David Burr lists the mountain as Rogers Peak. This name was apparently dropped and the name Shasta was transferred to present-day Mount Shasta in 1841, partly as a result of work by the United States Exploring Expedition. The lore of some of the Klamath tribes in the area held that Mount Shasta is inhabited by the spirit of the above world, Skell, who descended from heaven to the mountain summit at the request of a Klamath chief. Skell fought with spirit of the below world, Lao, who resided at Mount Mazama by throwing hot rocks and lava, probably representing the volcanic eruptions at both mountains. Italian settlers arrived in the early 1900s to work in the mills as stonemasons and established a strong Catholic presence in the area. Many other faiths have been attracted to Mount Shasta over the years, more than any other Cascade volcano. Mount Shasta City and Dunsmuir, California, small towns near Shasta's western base, are focal points for many of these, which range from a Buddhist monastery to modern-day Native American rituals. A group of Native Americans from the McLeod River area practice rituals on the mountain. Mount Shasta has also been a focus for non-Native American legends, centered on a hidden city of advanced being from the lost continent of Lemuria. The legend grew from an offhand mention of Lemuria in the 1880s, 
to a description of a hidden Lemurian village in 1925. In 1931, Harvey Spencer Lewis wrote Lemuria, The Lost Continent of the Pacific, and it was published by AMORC about the hidden Lemurians of Mount Shasta that cemented the legend in many readers' minds. In August of 1987, believers in the spiritual significance of getting their harmonicas converged described Mount Shasta as one of a small number of global power centers, and Mount Shasta remains a focus of New Age attention. Mount Shasta is just as pivotal when it comes to the mythical world of Native American legends. Among the mythical, <laughs> mythical, ha, creatures that are believed to inhabit the mountain range is the Matakagmi, which is the Modoc word for Bigfoot. The Mount Shasta legends of Matakagmi paint the creatures as protectors of the woods. There are plenty of Mount Shasta legends that aren't related to indigenous peoples, the most famous of which surrounds the lost continent of Lemuria. The well-known Mount Shasta myth says that somewhere deep within the 14,179-foot-tall mountain is a complex world of tunnels in a hidden city called Telos, also known as the ancient City of Light. The city of Telos is home to an ancient community of people called the Lemurians. Those who believe in this Mount Shasta mystery say that the Lemurians were residents of the mythical lost continent of Lemuria. The continent existed until it was engulfed under the waves of the Indian Ocean many thousands of years ago. According to other theorists, the Pacific Ocean may have been the reason too. However, some claim that Lemurians survived the catastrophe and settled in the underground city of Telos. People who are drawn to the mountain for its tales have reported seeing seven-foot-tall creatures with long, flowy hair on the mountains. They believe they're offsprings of the surviving Lemurians. Over the years, this Mount Shasta legend became so widespread that many authors interested in its mystique wrote books about it. This legend then became incorporated into numerous occult religions, including I Am Activity, the Summit Lighthouse, and Church Universal and Triumphant. Lemurians aren't the only mythical creatures theorists believe that inhabit the majestic Mount Shasta. Some people also believe the mountain is where lizard people hide which are reptilian humanoids that are said to live underground. However, that's a rabbit hole I'm not going to go down at this time. Rods seem to have gone out of paranormal chat circles since their paranormalness has been pretty much exposed as bugginess. Well, truth will out. Orbs are more problematic. I remember when I was a preteen, I had a very great interest in all things paranormal, which I still do. I remember watching a talk show regarding the paranormal, and this expert researcher was talking about light flashes seen floating in the air around people. 
It was his studied opinion that these flashes were evidence of spirits hovering around the people. It is my opinion that these flashes have, while remaining in some cases, have evolved into orbs in others. I still maintain that orbs are for the most part bugs and or dust though. As for the military revealed UFO videos, I call shenanigans. I remember that after the whole Phoenix light flap, you remember that, Arizona Governor Fife Symington III held a press conference stating that they found who was responsible. He proceeded to make light of the situation and mock believers who felt the lights were of alien origin by bringing his aide on stage dressed in an alien costume. Oddly enough, in March of 2007, this is 10 years later, Symington said that he had witnessed one of the crafts of unknown origin during the 1997 event, although he did not go public with the information. Must have been an election year. It is my opinion that when the government denies the existence of something, it means they know it's real. When the government acknowledges something, they're trying their best to demystify the subject. So to me, the Tic Tac and Gimbal videos are just totally suspect. Is Mount Shasta really as spiritually charged as some have made it out to be? Do Lemurians and lizard people live in the heart of the mountain? I don't know. I've never been there. I don't plan on going. I'm too old and too unsteady physically to try to climb a mountain. So there it is, this week's show. My opinions amidst informational talk. I hope you found it interesting. See you next time.